Welcome to the Feel Better Make It podcast. Real life, real women, no shame. We take it from drop it like it's hot to I can't get off the toilet. In this podcast, we tackle questions about real issues women have to face with their body, life, love, and their career. Every week, Dr. Letitia and Dr. Jennifer, both physical therapists and business owners, will share from their life experiences and expertise on their journey to feeling better naked. Join us as we ask the questions you never ask and have fun while doing it. Happy New Year, 2022. Today, Dr. Letitia and I are going to be talking about imposter syndrome. Do I belong here? Dr. Letitia is going to lead this talk and I'll interject at times. Happy New Year, Dr. Letitia. You're now 40. Hey, welcome to year 40. I'm feeling good so far. We want to keep that momentum going (laughs) throughout throughout the year. Three days into the new year. Yeah, exactly. We want to keep it flowing. Had an awesome time celebrating the 40th in Vegas. Wish you were there. I know, man. But yes, good times. Um, we'll probably, uh, probably throughout the year, we'll drop little nuggets of what happened in Vegas, but we'll just keep it, <laughs> keep it on the, on the, uh, keep the mystery there for now. So okay, new year, wait. progressing with goals that kind of, kind of set out for, um, the year in this first quarter. So I really, for me, it's really like sectioning things out and being more deliberate with my time and mm. elevating, um, my self care as well. That's kind of where I'm focused. And I don't like to say New Year's resolutions. I'm just saying these are some lifestyle changes and things I'm going through because, you know, those New Year's resolutions, sometimes they end by February 1. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So what's new with you, girl? Um, Just had a great quiet break and didn't need to go anywhere and uh, went on a trip with my husband alone. Oh, nice. Uh, we have not been away alone in over 10 years, like ever since having children. Wow. So we got a night away in Atlanta. And um, so it was pretty amazing and very similar to you. I'm really trying to be intentional with my time. I've got my planner as the one thing I get done in the day. going to you know, continue to use that. And um, same thing, my quarter, my quarter goal is set to um, really grow this business and, and I'm enjoying being a part of something bigger than myself. So i um, excited to see where the, the public physical therapy clinic goes and also got my goal to pursuing my uh, health and well-being coach certification here before the end of the year. I've got a long time. Yes. Nice. Hey, well, we got to set it. We got to set it up. You know, you got to have yeah. it written down because if it's yeah. just in your mind it's not a goal yeah. it's just the hope so we got our goals established <laughs> so right. that we can keep on going and we can help each other be held accountable as well too yeah when it goes on that so imposter syndrome this is really i think heavy in, in women i mean yeah. you know the many thoughts that go through our mind and many things that day by day that bring we bring that self-doubt into it so a brief inner brief let me say definition i say of imposter syndrome basically it's feelings of self-doubt and personal incompetence that persist despite your education experience and accomplishments to counter these feelings you might end up working harder and holding yourself to ever higher standards that was something i found online now does that sound pretty consistent to you (laughs) oh man 
<laughs> yes, especially that like you meet a goal, then you set another one. Mm-hmm. You don't enjoy the goal you met. Yes. It's not, it's not good enough. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's really three different areas we'll kind of talk about. We'll talk about yeah. career. We'll talk about, you know, uh, motherhood or and or relationships and then in our health as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that career thing that goes back to that ingrained thing about you being, you know, the woman having it all, having that little the, the family life, having the career life, trying to balance those things, having to work which is not a misconception, having to work twice as hard as male counterparts, for sure. And then if you throw aspects as in age, race, um, gender, when you throw those things into the mix, the game significantly changes. And I know for in my experience, even with, you know, walking into a room and there may have been a, a nurse that entered the room or a doctor or then myself comes in there and the patient may, the individual may recognize them, recognize them fine, nurse, doctor, and I come into the room is, are you the aide? Are you the lady that's coming to take, give me my bath? No problem with those roles. Those roles are needed, but I'm actually the licensed professional that actually supervises the individual that's doing those things. Or... The other therapist that that comes in that could be a physical therapy assistant. I'm the one supervising and giving them direction on them, but I'm automatically perceived initially to me. It has to be, it has to do with color and it has to do some of it is sometimes it's age as well. Um, And I know, you know, I look younger than I, (laughs) younger than I am, which I'll take that any day. But when you think about things in career and how even the profession of, of a physical therapy, there's a way more women, I, b- I believe at this point, than men. But almost all of those higher leadership roles and who's seen as the professional or seen as the go-to person are all men. Mm-hmm. So when you think about those the, those things like that, you're like, hey, I have to come out the gate two times higher than everybody else because now I have the those you know the other uh strikes against me color female woman and you know or what's the same thing color female and age maybe per se or the perception of yeah. how they think you know I am are all things that occur and I haven't said one word I've just stepped yeah. into the room <laughs> how has that affected that imposter syndrome for you like yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, am I supposed to? Like, I know I'm supposed to be here, but I'm already in the room fighting an uphill battle to get yeah. people to even respect my education level. Even people saying, oh, well, I didn't know you had to go to school for physical therapy or you got a doctorate. You know that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm impressed now. You know, she's one of the smart ones. When you have little comments mm. and sliding things, they come in there and knew that only a person of color knows what those mean. You're talking about some pretty deep issues here. <laughs> so subtle. Yeah. So subtle, but so ingrained systemic. Mm, for sure. Systemic illness in our society. So that's that like career. Is like what? Yeah, exactly. Those are things kind of in career that you're used to that. are natural. Yeah. Those are things I, mean, I have to be prepared. <laughs> exactly. I have so, to be prepared. So you felt just kind of going 
on this question here for you. Um, this is not new to you, something you share with me. That's not a new, this is what I've experienced most of my life. Mm-hmm. Cocoa, Indiana was a pretty homogenous group of, of folks, Caucasian. <laughs> um, do you, you know, now that you were a professional going, you know, going into that setting, did you feel like it was different now that you were getting those? Cause that's not the first time you've heard those comments. I'm sure. Oh, Maybe the nurse ones, but yeah, no, no. Going into a career, especially early career, obviously that's not, um, you know, that, that was something that just kind of part of the norm. Like most environments, I, I'm used to going into an environment where there's no one that looks like me. So okay. I already have to be at a, a comfort level. It's not, it's just natural. But the reverse is if someone white were to come into a place that's predominantly black or not looking like them, they're the one that feel uncomfortable. And we as people of color are finding ways to make them comfortable. But if the reverse is not there because that's just, that's normal. That That's our normal every day. Classrooms where you were the only, only black person in there conferences, meetings, even now into this day, if I go to a networking thing and I'm like, hey, my name is Dr. Letitia Williams. I'm a physical therapist, such and such. That still is like a, oh, okay. Or what, oh, you're a doctor, doctor of what? And I'm like, oh, and then I tell them what that is. So you still have all of these things that still go on now into your career. And now I'm very confident in things that I, that I do. And I don't have to be going and have to say, I have to try to prove myself and I'm not embarrassed to say doctor either. That's a whole other conversation within the the PT. Yeah. The PT world, but I'm not going out there to um, make people, other colleagues in the PT world comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm there with the mission, a greater mission to be able to help as many people as possible and not go into conversations and fights on, should you be called a doctor or do you tell your patient, your doctor? Uh, yes. You receive a doctoral education and got your degree. Why would you not be calling yourself doctor? Just like an educational doctorate, a PhD, you're still doctor so-and-so. Why would you be embarrassed to say that? Yeah. This imposter syndrome too, I guess, you know, when, when you talk about the definition of not feeling like you're competent, even though you're educated, even though you have those skills, you don't know them all, no. But then you walk into a room and then you're questioned the way you're questioned when you may already have you know, as a younger professional, and even when you get seasoned, you know, some confident, we all have confidence things, but getting asked those questions, I'm sure is not, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not helping the situation, but, um, so as far as imposter syndrome with career, talking about that, that, but what can, what do we do in our own brains with imposter syndrome? Yeah, what it's exactly. I mean, that's the things that we've shown that, you know, you start questioning, even if you go into that scenario and you know what your skills are, you know, what you're okay. Then you start questioning like, well, maybe something is off or maybe I got to that. That drives you even farther into, mm-hmm. OK, I got to work even harder. I got to continue to prove that I'm supposed to be here and that I know this and that. And then, like mm-hmm. you said, that definition of holding yourself to ever higher standards. Like, I still got to keep pushing, 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 going, 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 and driving yourself crazy thinking that you're not supposed to be there, but you know, you do know, or say you're in a classroom setting in school, you know, now or in the boardroom, and you're not speaking up as much because you're like, well, maybe they won't believe what I'm trying to say, and then you let another colleague or somebody answer, 
And you yeah. knew the answer to that because you got yeah. doubts in yourself and they won't believe you or they, they won't take it the same way yeah. you know, as, as you do. Things like that. Now, do you feel like you've had some times, definitely career-wise, where you've kind of struggled with that in, imposter syndrome? I think definitely when I used to work for someone as an entrepreneur, imposter syndrome of, can I even open this business? Is it even going to work? <laughs> right? You could just be your worst enemy in that. But you were talking about being a female. I remember I was a uh, very driven new grad and went to lots of con ed and taking all these uh, courses to specialize as a manual therapist. And I would make a comment in a group full of male uh, outpatient physical therapists. And um, no one would like, acknowledge that I commented and then my male counterpart in the conversation would say the same thing and then we're all having a conversation like it validated his opinion and mind you I was also pregnant which also brings another weird aspect it's even more feminine now that you've got a belly um (laughs) so I experienced that for sure of being um I don't know that I've ever, I kind of, like you said, like I knew I was competent, but, um, but it still didn't help. Um, it was pretty frustrating, but I would say the business side of it, as we are both entrepreneurs, it's definitely imposter syndrome. When we look at scarcity mindset, oh, can I open up this clinic and is it going to survive? Is there enough people out there? I mean, there's changing your brain from scarcity to abundance. You can say it all you want. And I hear people, I have the abundance mindset. I'm like, but do you really deep down? Mm. Or are you scared like you're not good enough? That I'm like, and then that's, yeah, that's not, we all get in that mindset um, from time to time. Even homeschool, I like to bring my homeschool moms. You're homeschooling too. That's a job. And mm. so I can't imagine for those homeschool moms out there educating my kids, but it's like, oh man, that brings a whole new set, I guess, which kind of transition us into um, relationships imposter syndrome with relationships yeah so yeah it's and some people when it comes down definitely when you're talking about relationships or motherhood or whatever those things when it comes down to that kind of that personal aspect of it is that if you had other relationships in the past that have not gone well or you've had different experiences and then all of a sudden that person that finally comes that you've been searching for finally comes into the picture and you're thinking hmm when is the, the, the foot, what is it going to drop? When, when, when's the negative going to come in? When's something going to happen? Like, yeah. am I actually worthy of this person mm. at this point? Because I, my history has told me that it hadn't gone too well. So that self-doubt comes in there. And you're almost to the point where you're almost sabotaging the relationship because you're wait, waiting for the bad to set in. Or I shouldn't be worthy to be, have this attention showered on me. And like, and this is a thing. I'm used to doing this, this, and that. And always being in lead. And always been in control. And now this person is coming in and providing things that are compliment to me. That I don't have to be the catch-all and be-all. I don't have yeah. to take on the world. And I'm waiting, you know, like, uh, am I worthy of love? Am I worthy of this attention? So, really, when you talk about relationships, that can be kind of heavy to to think yeah, about that is a huge point you brought up i mean even when you're in a marriage it's like uh there's some and you're married now seven years like this is you can still get in that sabotage mindset of um because <laughs> marriage is there's ups and downs yeah. and um 
I think the more we, we get stuck in our heads with, you know, not being good enough. Um, I'm just thinking through all my, my like confrontations. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what do we call them? Conversations? Yeah. <laughs> discussions? Discussions? Heated, heated, heated discussions? Heated conversations? Yeah, heated. And then you walk away and you're like, Man, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, I, I like how you brought that up particularly past relationships that's their self-sabotaging and then looking at motherhood that I think you know when they're little my kids are 10 8 twins are five so they're all little but I feel like some of this that you're stating is like teenage teenagers Mm. the relationship you start to you know people out there have teenage and adult children I bet some of this could come you know um in handy of that self-doubt or sabotaging your relationship what are your thoughts because you got a 12 year old i don't know yeah well yeah when you were just talking about like having older kids like right now my um older two are 22 and 21 uh at this point we're getting ready to be 21 so that you know you transition a little bit when we were married they were all beginning of high school like 14 and 15 years old my older daughter was a sophomore and then son was going into the freshman year so that's a total different transition from having them that maybe they were five or six years old or younger like my younger son was six years old so he has had way more time with his stepdad than the kids have had with their stepmom so him being younger easier transition his dad his dad is is still he sees him all the time awesome mm-hmm. great co-parenting so he has now has two supportive male figures and in, mm-hmm. in his life that way but it's always that trends like hey am i doing saying the right thing with the with the kids or do they they don't need me as much as the younger when my son was six the teenagers is a different transition they need you in different ways. So you're trying to figure out, am I doing the right things as far as motherhoods? Now I'm bonus mom. How do I develop this relationship and continue to foster? Where do I fit in mm-hmm. in, in the mix? So you can go through some things like, ah, am I doing this right? Or if I, you know, how does this work? So it's still that continual process when you're talking about being a stepmom being a mom so being both both having both aspects bonus mom and mom and wife all three thrown into one in a short very short time period and we hit obviously multiple milestones with kids within the first six years because we had two high school graduates already (laughs) and and going to college yeah we went i went from me and my son us two to a family of five now we're into graduations college doing college visits, all that stuff within that first kind of crucial seven years uh, of marriage. So not only we're learning each other and how to be married, but now we're navigating uh, kids as well. So I think one of the things initially with me was like, I was used to being independent, doing the things, you know, had my son, was single parent, hey, time for grocery shopping. You knock, you get the 12 bags of groceries out your car yourself and you got your son on the other hip and you just keep on moving. And doing it all. Then it came to, oh, well, now I have someone that's that's supportive. Hey, I've got the groceries, you know, cleaning, this and that. My husband is awesome with all that stuff. He actually likes to do laundry. I guess God knew I needed somebody that like laundry. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I maybe he he knew that I needed somebody to like do laundry. I'm not about laundry life. And he likes to clean stuff. So you know, you're talking about somebody being, yeah, being the imposter, like, is this real? Like, are we supposed to be, you know, is this guy real? 
past relationships, yeah. things you're doing. It's like, is this mm -hmm. meant to be or not? So I could definitely during that time, early time period about having some of those feelings of imposter syndrome, especially from the way that yeah. we initially yeah. met. We met online and within two months we were engaged. And then six months from there, we were married. Yeah. So a total of eight or nine months is the only time period that we knew each other total. So if yeah. you're thinking about all those thoughts yeah. rolling, you know, rolling through, it's like, is this real? When is the shoe going to drop? Is this guy, you know, who he says he's going to be? But also, you you know, you're trusting in the process. It's staying with me since, yeah. you know, faith, you know, having, having faith in the process and saying, guess what? This is what it's supposed to be. So it's always about that continual growth. Yeah, and you're talking about, too, I'm just reflecting as you talk more on, you know, my marriage life's different. I met him so young, and we stay together, and we have, you know, our ups and downs. But my my bigger struggle with relationships, um, they go into, well, I'll just talk immediate family, but, you know, children. Am I, am I messing my kids up? That's my constant, right? Because I grew up in a situation where I didn't, I'm trying to overcompensate a bit for something maybe I, I didn't have and fulfill that need that maybe I need, but they don't. Mm. And uh, I'm constantly like, am I doing this all right? Am I connected enough? Am I in the present moment? Yeah. Because everyone tells you the age, you know, you, you're, it goes by so fast when you have little kids. <laughs> This twins, they're five. This isn't the longest five years. <laughs> longest five years of my life. I don't know if it's been slow or fast. I just said slow because it's stuck. But it's a constant. Even, you know, for those of you out there listening that have twins, let me tell you, that is, it's a constant struggle because there's two. Same maturity level, maybe slightly different, but vying for your attention. You're trying to, like, give them all equal attention. You, know, you can't. Um, yeah. And so am I messing my kids up? Which. Yeah. And it's like, thing you think about those things because that's yeah. based on your previous experience, yeah. where, how you, how you grew up, what were things were ingrained in you, yeah. things you saw that you did like, things that you saw that you didn't like and said, oh, I need to make that shift because when I have kids, everything's going to be, uh, it's going to be this way. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be the opposite of things that I've seen. And like you, you know, you get in your head about, okay. Am I doing the thing right? I'm like, right now, you're doing all things right. They are fed, dressed, they're alive. <laughs> <laughs> and you're there. You yeah. know, it's like the kids have I basic things. Yeah, it's like kids need the basic things. They know that you're, they want to know that, that you're there and they're seeing, they're seeing you. But every single moment, you know, I had the things like, oh man, I want to miss about this and that. And I'm like, they're not going to remember those things. It's those other aspects. It's like, hey, we had dinner together. It, it's funny some of the things I remember now from childhood that my parents did compared to what a sibling may remember or things that stick yeah. with you. And it was never, in my mind, it was never a time about the bedtime. I, I forgot. They forgot to do the bedtime routine. Or we had, you know, chicken five nights in a row because I was tired. You know, because you were, you know, I never remember that stuff, but I do remember they were present. They were at the basketball games. I knew to look right in the stands mm -hmm. and, and see them there. And if they weren't there, somebody else was somebody else could have been there to support or something. But the majority of the time I knew it could be the little ride to and from school. Our dad we used to go to the little daycare center. We would stop by Villa's Pantry and get Jolly Ran I mean uh now and laters. And we know, you know, mom didn't have us do candy in the morning, but I when know. dad dropped us off, we got our now and laters. You know, it's like stuff like that 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 stick 
to you that now, you know, you drive yourself crazy trying to be perfect mom or perfect wife or doing this like there, there is no perfection to it. Every day is on a wing and a prayer <laughs> trying to figure out, am I doing the right, <laughs> am I doing the right thing at this point? Yeah. Yeah. As well too. Yeah. Which goes right into, you know, our bodies that mm. ugh, the, you know, that's a, a quick story is I, um, you know, was working out hard with this diastasis post the twins diastasis recti that I have and weight training. And, and, and I wanted to heal my diastasis and get strong. And, uh, my therapist asked me, why are you working out? And really like I had to dig deep. Why am I working out? And, um, it was fear driven for me because again, um, you know, I think a lot of this is doing work to realize I was working out hard and eating healthy. So I don't die young. Like my mom did and could be there for my kids. That is not the right motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to shift this because that was, I was tired. I was starting to get sick, colds, COVID hit. I ended up getting COVID. Um, thankfully recovered well with that, but um, just feeling very drained and not resting at night. So I had to shift that, um, fear of not being alive and being good enough for my children again. Right. Cause that's my kind of theme. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I sh- try to really shift my mindset to I'm doing this because I love myself like that. I'm pot- like, I love, and I'm not chasing an image of mm. what I need to look like, which most of the time I think I'm getting better at, but it's, it's hard. So yeah, it that? is. Yeah, like the whole health aspect when you start thinking about the imposter syndrome, like, yes, health driven, helping women, they're seeing changes and they're doing all. And then on my, in my current health journey, I'm struggling with issues with thyroid, low testosterone, um, weight gain. And they're like, I'm able to help them yeah. go through their process. And I'm probably right now, I'm probably the heaviest that I've been in my entire life. And I would like, I need my thing of, yes, I want to be 15 to 20 pounds down right now. I got to get my things internally going. It's not that I'm eating horribly or have these different, you know, different other changes. It's my blood sugars are off because my hormone levels aren't working the way they're, my thyroid isn't working the way that it needs to. And me understanding, learning that I'm not an imposter if I'm able to help other people and still continue in my journey, as well as when I talked about previously is me going through the last um eight you know almost 10 eight to 10 months of being down literally not being able to be active because of knee surgeries two knee surgeries yeah. so body making those shifts and changes having issues with thyroid having uh two surgical procedures in there and try not to get yourself into crazy mode into in deep into that imposter syndrome like yeah. i'm not able to do x y and z even though i'm teaching people to do these things so it's really been you know, continuing on the journey of getting myself well and recognizing that my journey is not their journey currently right now. That's a nice one. That pretty much just spoke what I feel about this diastasis thing too. Of Like, I don't need to prove to my clients to, that I change my body to help them because we're all uniquely different and our bodies are different and our goals are different. So I'm right there with you on that journey to, to wellness and, um, I think a lot of it can be just negative self-talk, um, you know, looking in the mirror. And we um, talked about Mary J. Blige before. Uh-huh. <laughs> Was it I Am Gorgeous? Uh, good morning, gorgeous. Okay. 
Yes. I am gorgeous would be a hard one for me to listen to. Yes. Good morning, gorgeous is okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but that lead just kind of just to wrap up everything is that pushing past that imposter syndrome and making those shifts, some things that can be helpful for that is surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals, finding some other ladies that are going either at your level or greater that are about that positively. That can give you support, letting you know that you're not alone. You are worthy. You are gorgeous. You are the Mm bomb.com. Just keep that in your mindset. But if you don't have a group of people that may be supportive in that way, or you've always been kind of pushed down and negative on yourself, it's hard to, to make those shifts and changes. So we we want to let you know, lady, that we are here for you. Mm-hmm. Reach out, drop those DMs on Instagram, uh, Facebook. If you're having some struggles in there, we're all human. We're you know different different races, different backgrounds, but we all suffer from a lot of similar same things. And imposter syndrome is one of those. High on that list. That's for sure. Yeah, so um, Dr. Letitia, how can they find you again? All right, so you can find the both of us. Um, you can find me at Dr. Letitia PT on Instagram. Drop those uh, DMs. Let us know if you've been enjoying the podcast. Dr. Jennifer at Regenerate.Physio and our podcast at the Feel Better Naked podcast on Instagram as well. We're going to be um, increasing our presence there, dropping some stories about what's going on with our lives um, and keeping you updated on everything podcast. Awesome, guys. It's nice having this chat with you. Nice to see you, Dr. Letitia. All right, girly. Until next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on our Real Conversations and Journey to Feeling Better Naked. I know there are a million other things you could be doing. Sending you all the love. Check out the show notes to grab any tidbits or tools that were discussed on the episode today and be sure to subscribe. You don't want to miss next week's episode. Remember, you are enough.